All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. All righty, welcome to episode 481 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ. Today, we've got uh, 69th Blizzard, Ken. Hey. And Marcus Almighty, Mark. Greetings. And poor Lonnie had to deal with the grown-up responsibilities. But hey, Lonnie, happy birthday, buddy. Yeah, I'd, say birthday. Have, I'd say have a great one, but if you're dealing with grown-up responsibilities, uh, you know what, make the best yeah. of it that you can. So thank you to everyone who's joining us live. Uh, this episode is going to be Too Much or Not Enough, a bunch of topics from the board. Um, but first, I want to do a little bit of pimpology, so let's see if I can do this right. Um Let's see, switch cameras around. All right, so I got the hardcover in for Mask Hysteria, so Whoa. it is done. And I have rejected nice. the uh, the hardcover, so it's only going to be available as a paperback imminently. It's going to be on limited release through Amazon. Um, but I just want to do a quick flip through for people who are interested. See, I don't like this border on the hardcover. And the, the print quality is a little washed out in here, so the... The color on the final Amazon version is much better. So I'm just going to flip through quickly and bits and pieces as I go through it. 240 pages of clippings, reviews, translations, some photos, and then it ends wow. with, where is it end? It ends at the end. Thank you. It ends here. So that's how, that's how it goes. Um, I mean, actually, I do have one right here. This is the most recent proof, and you can see the difference in print quality. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. On the paperback, it's more vivid. There's a little bit of shine. These aren't full glossy. I decided not to go with that because I want them. I don't want to do any self-distribution. So just a couple of things to wrap up, and it will be available. I'm going to get rid of my crotch out of the camera. Be available. Um, yeah, so that's going to be available on Amazon. Um, also, Aline, Elaine, Belisha, and Per Strid have announced uh, their latest Demons of Rock is going to be available for pre-order next uh, next month, I think, August, he said. And that's going to have 1,700 magazine covers that have featured Kiss from all over the world, which is, like, super cool. Um, you know, so while Kiss doesn't seem to be doing a whole heck of a lot, um, the fans hopefully are stepping up. So if you're interested in that uh, mask hysteria or demons of rock, I know your support is very much appreciated as will be your comments. When we talk about it, uh, no doubt at some point, you know, Mark, you got anything from your world? Uh, not really just waiting for things as usual, as far as the vinyl and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's a waiting game with this stuff, right? So, uh, but other than that, uh, I think I mentioned before that I have been working on more music. Uh, I'm not going to announce anything yet, but there's stuff to come very soon on that end as well. So there's going to be a lot of Project Gemini stuff before this year is done. Nice. So there's not a lot of news. You know, the, the band have finished up their tour. I believe everyone's back. Paul's back on his bike. I think he did his 25-mile ride yesterday. Um, I haven't seen what Gene's up to because I'm still blocked from seeing his Twitter, so I don't know if he's tweeting or what. Um, so, uh, so who knows? There's a little bit of a gap now until August, so it made sense to, you know, there's nothing really to talk about further with the tour. You know, it it's clearly is what it is. I did go on Ticketmaster today just to see what the ticket situation was like on uh, Madison Square Garden for the second wow. show. So if you're on the fence, there's a shitload of tickets available from resellers. Available, huh? Yep. And there's still two unsold of the original allotment. So it is still not sold out officially, no matter what they say, because there's still two blue dots. Nibbler. Um, so, um, if you're on the fence, get off the fence, come to New York city. Uh, it, it'll be fun. So let's get into some topics today. Ken, you bought anything? Did I buy any topics? No. Have you bought any Kiss <laughs> merchandise? In the no, today? Uh, no, <clears throat> nothing yet. Nothing. I'm waiting for something 
new and exciting from Kiss. So. All right. Well, let's uh, dig into the board topics. I've selected a few. Um, Ken, I know you have one, so we'll see what we get to here. But, uh, you know, let's start in, you know, the post-Kiss world. And this was a topic by Kisteris. I can't say that. Um, but post-Kiss book, book. Who do you think would be the first member of Kiss to release a book after the end of the world? And do you think they would push the dirt and throw the frying pans? And would you want them to? And that goes to everyone who's watching live. Who will be and who should be? Ken. I think uh, you, you will. No, you will. Uh, uh, beyond you, I guess. Um, it's, I'm not uh, a member of the band. I'm and, I don't, say and I don't it, dish dirt. Yeah, I'm going to say, I don't know. I really don't know. But... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Gene puts out another book. I mean, he's put out a million books so far, and um, he could put out another one. I, you know, I'd like him to do one because his, his was done first, and I think now that things have changed, he could do a new one, uh, a new updated, you know, biography add on to that, and maybe insert some stories or something like that. Um, but who knows? I, I don't know. Hopefully, whatever it is, whoever does it, uh, that is a good book. Where do you go after Ladies of the Night or was On Power or or Me, Inc.? I, I, I lose track of which one was which because after Sex, Money, Kiss, I basically didn't care. Um, go, yeah, go back to Kiss. Uh, it's the Kiss subject, I think, is the best thing. It's going to sell more. All right. Mark. Bob Ezrin, right? <laughs> well, wait, yeah, well, was my well, Eddie, you know what? Eddie Kramer was going to do a book, but I, we haven't seen that yet. But anyway, go on. Well, I, I think uh, what Ken said sounds like a not that crazy an idea, but honestly, I, I, I think that I have this funny feeling that Tommy will do a book because out of everybody in that band. I think that he's the one who's in their pocket the deepest and will probably be able to put out a book that they won't, you know, try to blacklist or, or make them not release because look, Bruce and, and Eric, if they were to put out a book, I think that unless they put in some dirt in there, you know, I mean, Eric, sure. He can talk about his Alice Cooper days and Sabbath days. So it could be interesting, but you know, Bruce is so enwrapped with kiss that a lot of it would have to come from there. And I don't know how much of that you could talk about. That would be interesting. I don't know. I keep thinking that's going to be Tommy. That'll put out the, the book first out of them. But Gene seems like the, like the logical one because, you know, he's not going to blacklist himself. Right. So he can put out whatever he wants. Right. But if it was a member of the band, another member, I would, I would I'm going to, I'm going to guess Tommy. You never know. I could be right. Okay. So could all right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't have a problem with pretty much any member of the band doing another book. Um, former members, Vinny. I, mm. I would love for him to do, but I mean, we're talking about who do we think would be most likely, and I think yeah. his is as likely as Magic, um, which at this point is probably at the same stage as Vinny's book. <laughs> like Page one. <laughs> wasn't, yeah. wasn't the Ace going to uh, release another book? Another book? Yeah, it was going to be called Still No Regrets. Still no book. Still no book. Hopefully he's more busy on it, working on an album. Uh, Tom, it, yeah. You know, Tommy and Eric are really where it's at, but we've kind of, kind of talked about it. I don't think anyone other than Gene and Paul are most likely because I think Gene and Paul are where the market is. Uh, Paul still has plenty of scope Um he hasn't done the lifestyle book. I kind of see him always doing, you know, mixing, you know, lifestyle <clears throat> tips with cooking. Cookbook. And I would actually like a cookbook from Paul Stanley. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> especially if, if he had some stories that went with the kind of, you know, this was a dish that I was introduced to while in Bulgaria for the first time or, you know, uh, you know growing up. You know what's funny though is, is here's an odd question: Is Robin Leach still alive? You know, lifestyles and rich and famous. So. I think. He's I was going to say if, if he was if he was alive, then Paul should do a lifestyles book and have him like narrate an audio book of it. 
the lifestyles of Paul Stanley, you know, and talk about all his like riches and his, you know, things that he has accumulated over the years. That'd be a great audio book. I'd buy that. Yeah, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. Don't, don't have don't have a Brit narrating the lifestyles of an American icon. It's just not not appropriate. All right, so well, yeah, we, we, we've got we've got a real mix. Yeah, of, well, then I don't think he's available. So mm. yes, that, that'll be a a big who who the hell knows who'll be first. All right, so I like this topic a lot because it still resonates with a lot of people all these years on who are still uptight. And this is going to be a divisive topic. Mm. Is Tommy Thayer getting the last laugh? And who, who who came up with this? This was by the final word. Um, Let's face it. Tommy Thayer's road in kiss has been an uphill climb. But facts are facts. He's been in KISS for 20 years now, and he's going down as one of only three members to have never been replaced or supplanted beside only Gene and Paul. Well, it's actually only two because Gene did go on twice and do shows without Paul. So, Well, supplanted, meaning, you know, he eliminated from the band or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so far. I mean, they might just fire oh. him gratuitously for a week just to, to say. We'll do four guys at once, right? Yeah. So is he having the last laugh? My, my kind of view on this is that, you know, the fans who hated him to, in 2004, by and large, still hate him and kind of checked out at that point. Mm-hmm. Very few have been converted over to becoming fans of Spaceman 2. Um or, or, or what was well, space. Um, I used to call Eric Carbon Kitty, and uh, Carbon Kitty. what do they call him? Frankenace. So, no one has been persuaded to like Tommy, I don't think, except for people who kind of discovered the band or were open to it at the time. So, is Tommy getting the last laugh, Mark? Yes, absolutely, he is <clears throat> because everybody was, you know. I think for the longest time, I, mean, I remember reading nothing but negative comments about this guy. Oh, you know, how, does he have no shame wearing the makeup? How can he look at himself in the mirror? Blah, 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 blah. All these different comments about stuff. <clears throat> but you know what? He was smart. He stayed off of most of these podcasts, including our own, which, you know, I don't think we would have given him a hard time. But he, he stayed away from podcasts. He didn't do very much of it at all during his time in KISS now. Maybe maybe just like some stuff like Premiere Guitar, but he does gear run through, which is kind of cool. That was a good episode uh, and stuff like that. But you know, he's kept under the shadows, out of the under the radar, so to speak. And he's done his job. He's kept Paul and Gene happy. He's played the songs very well. I mean, there's only a few songs that I can think of that he's had a little issue with here and there. But other than that, he's done everything very well. I mean, the companies that that he that he has gotten sponsorships from have all been happy with him. I mean, we have, you know, Tommy Thayer signature guitars. There's, there's a Tommy Thayer signature amplifier from Hughes and Kettner. So obviously, he's been doing a lot of things right. That has been keeping people interested in him from that front. And for uh, for us people in the you know community, Kiss community, who are sour on him from the beginning, you have to you know kind of look at yourself in the mirror now and say, really, was I really that wrong? Because if he was doing stuff wrong or not good, he would have been out of the band. He would have been replaced again. But I think that he did a great job. I mean, the, the guy wears many hats. I mean, even before he was playing guitar in the band, he was doing many things for them, whether it was a tour managing or helping him do the conventions or whatever. So he has definitely had the last laugh. I mean, when he's going to be done doing this, doing this tour with Kiss, he can sit back on his you know nice lazy boy chair or in his backyard patio in his million dollar house and laugh at all of us who are, you know, not anywhere near as well off as he is. And there Look you go. out over his winery and go for a round of golf. Exactly. Can you, can you say that? <laughs> right. You know, and, and he discovered a family that he didn't know he had a daughter yeah. you know, during exactly. you know, this time. I have a great deal of respect for Tommy because he has been gracious to a lot of the detractors. Opal Archive had a great comment there, you know, uh, that, 
they feel that uh, Tommy's been in the Kiss tribute show for 20 years. It's not really Kiss as a true band, um, but he's not bashing him. He gets the job done. I mean, that, that's a, I may not agree with some of that, um, particularly a true band. They've released two albums at least, um, which gives them a little bit more validity than had they ended on Psycho Circus and just coasted for 20 something years. Um, Ken, what say you? I mean, you're the old school. I'm the old school uh, ace guy, but uh, you know, uh, I I think Tommy does get the last laugh. He's a great guy, upstanding guy. Seems like a good guy. Uh, you know, met him once, right? Uh, I think you know in Oakland with, with Julian um, when we were there that, for that show. But I mean, wasn't uh, he great too backstage? Yeah, he was great. He talked to us, and we were you know it was it was nice. Yeah. He goes, you, you're on that show. I think he pointed to me, like, are you on that podcast too or something? Mm-hmm. I think he said, I think I saw it. So I think he's aware of it and has seen us you know, on our podcast. Of course they're aware of it. You know? Of course yeah, they are. Yeah. So anyway, not but because of that, but, you know, he's done a great job. I mean, no one, I don't think anyone else would have really fit. I think you had to have a KISS fan. Uh, become a guitarist. Uh, he knew all the solos. Uh, I think if you got someone else, uh, any other guy that wasn't really a, a Kiss fan, they would have embellished the solos with their own little thing, uh, kind of like maybe what Vinny did <laughs> or whatever. Um, so from the standpoint, you know, I want to hear all the great solos that Ace originated. You know, props to Ace. Uh, and and Tommy replicates them. Um, Ace, you know, it's Ace's fault. You can't blame Tommy for Ace, you know, shooting himself in the foot. Multiple he really times. did. Uh, he he could have stayed, you know, uh, but he you know he wanted to leave again. So that's the needed, way. I think he needed to leave again. It's not a matter of want. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm maybe. A fir- I'm a firm believer in what he has said about. Uh, the detrimental effects on his mental health and his sobriety um, that his bosses were having. Yeah, and at that time, he wasn't, you know, sober ace yet, right? So, so, a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. He needed to get... Now, after becoming sober, it turns out it it was probably too late, and he probably said too many things that upset Paul, I'm guessing. Um, So... You know, it's. I think he's sober, but I don't think he's being sober doesn't get you away from the damage done. No, it does not. It does nothing. Not. Nothing can undo a lifetime of abuse. Um, and you know, all you are you looking for is a little bit more longevity. <laughs> by that yeah. point, so, so I, I don't think he's in any fit shape to be back in the band. No, to be honest, no, not really, no. And so you know, again, Tommy is a, you know was a is a probably the right and best replacement for Ace, if there is anybody. Yep, I like this. He's a good lad, a member. Simple. Mm-hmm. Just go through some now, of these comments, you know. Forget Rick Rubin, man. The guy's a waste of money. Did he, didn't he do um, the American Black series Sabbath with Johnny 13. Cash? Who, who was that? The, the, Amer- the American Recordings series right. with Johnny Cash. Yeah. I think he could do something with Gene, but not with Kiss. Kiss is done. Kiss is never recording again. Um, I, I don't. No. See, I don't. I don't see it happening. But I mean, do you see what he's done? Like when he did, like when it was documented when he worked with Metallica or when he worked with Black Sabbath. The guy comes in, twenty minutes, listens to it, puts down two or three notes, says two or three things, and he's gone and leaves it with the engineer for the rest of the. Day. I mean, why hire him? I mean, if I want a producer, I want him to sit there and be there for the whole thing. See, I have a personal problem with him. He's like a like a miniature Ezrin to me, this guy, but yeah. You know, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, so Mark has now said Ezrin during this episode. So we're there we all go. mini we Ezrin. Met, we, we have met the quota. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think we're, we all agree that he's having the last laugh. Because oh, him, yeah. he'll be he'll be the one there at the end of the road. I, I don't see anything changing and uh, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, Kiss. All right, here's a, here's a really cool one, which I hate. 
because it's uh, should this have been an epic closing track on Crazy Nights, and that is of course Time Traveler, the mm. most one of the most horrendous, syrupy, cat furball vomiting inducing pieces of fluff. I can't stand that song. <laughs> really. Wow. Yeah, should, should it have been anywhere near Crazy Nights? No, Crazy Nights had enough of its own problems without <laughs> inducing that pap onto it. Um, Ken, Time Traveler. Yeah, I mean, Time Traveler is, is an okay song. Um, it, to me, it fits more like a it's okay. I'm just saying it's okay. I didn't say it's great. Um, it's okay as in like a song that would be on a sci-fi movie. I could see it on a soundtrack out of a, sci- of a sci-fi movie back then. So that's a Rob Lowe movie. Yeah, that's about it, you know, or Outlander <laughs> movie or whatever. Um, so it's it's okay. It's it's oh different. Gosh. It's 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 not bad. And it's I don't think it's great, and I don't think it's bad. It's, it's kind of <laughs> in the middle for me. Mark, before you go to Time Traveler, I put that comment up just for you to address. No, I don't have problems with producers about success. I mean, I'm all for people like, you know, Kramer and, you know, the Bob Rock. I'm, you know, hats off. Okay, if I have to point, point my finger at you and say, who's your favorite producer? And Terry Brown. Why? And what's he because, done? Because he's done, like, every Kiss album. Well, not Kiss album, sorry. He's done every Rush <laughs> album from Rush, yeah. Fly, Fly yeah. By Night to Signals. After that, then was a mixed they bag. should have kept them because yeah, but they had a blowout down, downhill after that. They had a blowout about uh, <laughs> some of the material that they were doing, and he didn't want some of it on there. Getty Lee said, "You know, we were overruling this time. We let you have the final say on like the last nine albums." So, but you know, I don't have a problem with that. I don't even have a problem with Ezra being successful in Pink Floyd or Alice Cooper. I just have a problem with him in Kiss. Now, okay. what what is your favorite Ezrin produced album? Uh, I think it's actually momentarily momentary lapse of reason is one of my favorite records he's done. That and Division Bell. I think if I would have to pick between the two, I think Division Bell is probably my favorite record that he's done. I listen hmm. to that record all the time. I, I think honestly, it's probably one of my favorite Pink Floyd records, mainly because Roger Waters isn't on it. I think he's a complete moron and a bonehead, Roger Waters, and you are better off without him. Sure, I'm going to get a lot of feedback for that, but well, you know, well, you don't have Pink Floyd without Roger Waters. Yes, right? you do. David Gilmore is Pink Floyd, not Roger Waters. Well, actually, Sid Barrett um, was Pink Floyd. The but... soid, the, the soid, the sound <laughs> of the band is initially down. The soid of the band is down to David soid. Gilmore. Soid. No, no, but, no. but the music yeah. and the lyrics are kind of down to Roger Waters. Yeah. Okay, uh, but. It it's a good Alice Cooper's production. Some it's a great there. album. I mean, I love Momentary Lapse. By the way, it's on my my on my iPhone for a reason. I, yeah. I just going out to that album. So I I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, I think it's a great record. And you know, look, I'm just going to end it, this Pink Floyd discussion on this. After Roger left, he had his chance to make many of his records by himself on his own without anybody interfering with it. He got, did you know Radio Chaos. He did Pros and Cons of Hitchhiking, and he did that other record, which is actually not too bad. I forget what the other one is, but uh, he did like three records. Pink Floyd did two without him, and they were gigantic, huge smashes worldwide tours. Poor Roger was left to play little small rinky dink halls, and his records were not received anywhere near as good. So, again, who's who's the sound who's of touring Pink Floyd? now? Yeah. Okay. He's right? touring now, right? Yeah, exactly. okay, but Pink Floyd doesn't need to. They're long retired, you know? Okay, so getting back to Time Traveler. Yes, Time Traveler. Thank you for joining us on the Pink Floyd FAQ. <laughs> so, yeah, Time Traveler. And, Julian, you know how much I respect you. I call you my good friend, one of my good friends for sure. You don't have to agree. But I, I have to disagree. I actually don't mind Time Traveler. Yes, I'm used to death. That's the album. Uh, I think Time Traveler is not a bad song. It's a bad song in its demo form, <clears throat> excuse me. But I think that if they were to seriously took it onto that record, I think Nevison would have probably, you know, flushed out a few things, maybe not made it so keyboard heavy, a little less heavier, out of it more guitar, real drums, of course, you know. And I, I, I think it would have been a better, I think it would have been more palatable in final form than it is 
in demo form. In demos, you're not supposed to take that as, you know, the f- absolute final vision of the song. I mean, unless you're listening to Hot in the Shade, right? But uh, other than that, I, I, think it, I think it had problems. I think Paul did a decent job on that. I know you guys don't agree with that, but, you know, I, I, don't, don't, I don't mind it. I just don't think Nevison would have made it better. <laughs> Based on hey, Nevison, you want to talk about a producer who's done a lot of stuff that's successful? Oh, he's done great Lover, Lover Boy stuff. I love that stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I don't think Kiss is, is should be he's Lover did, Boy. He did best. He did Ozzy's best album that he's ever did, Ultimate yeah. Sin. I love Ultimate Sin, but I'm not going to call. I'm not going to call that Ozzy's best album ever. It's a lot better uh, than Blizzard and Diary, in my opinion. Much yeah. better. Yeah, he wasn't the right, Nevison wasn't the right guy for. Kiss. I don't have a response to that, Mark. I think, look, I like Randy Rose, but frankly, his guitar sound was really fuzzy and brittly. Uh, you know, he, he was good. I, I, don't get me wrong, but I think Jake Lee had much more of my style of guitar playing that I like than Randy Rose. And I know I, I always get arguments with that, but there's many out there. If you were to really look around, there's a lot of people in the Jake Lee fan club. You'd be very surprised. Oh, Jakey Lee's a great player, no doubt. Yeah, he's great, no doubt. But I like Randy. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going there. <laughs> Ken, you know, I, I, I asked Mark. It's just nice to talk some different music and work that into the conversation. Yeah. Sometimes, do you have a favorite producer? Oof. Here uh, we go. Let's say that again. Especially th- with your diverse palette of tastes. Yes. Because Ken, Ken is a very wise man. <laughs> Um, let's don't go too far. Um, it's it's yeah, it's very difficult to pick a favorite producer. I'm just trying to think of some albums uh, that I enjoy uh, a lot. Um, I, you know, I'm just I'm gonna go. Well, no, I won't go. yeah, I I really don't. I really don't know who my favorite. Come on, Ken. Do you, do you don't have a favorite producer. I find right, it hard I'll to. Give, I'll okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give. I'll give you one. Uh, uh, Ted Templeman. There you go. I'll go with that yeah, one. Yeah. And there's some other ones that you know. Uh, I don't Ted, say, okay. Which album? Which album other than a Van Halen uh, do you think is a fine example of Templeman's incredible production? I, I don't. Uh, because he gets pigeonholed just into that Van Halen stuff. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and he's got I, some I, great sounding. I mean, Sammy Hagar. Well, Sammy Hagar. Well, Roy Thomas Baker is another one I enjoy a lot Queen. too. I think it's really good. Yeah, Queen and and the Cars and whatnot. You know, so there's a lot of them. I can't really rate them against each other. I rate more of the mastering of. <laughs> Albums than I do a producer. There's one. That's probably the whole. The whole... Hey, Bullet Boys, Doobie Brothers. You're getting a few oh, that bullet, that first Bullet Boys album. Yeah, mine would be Mutt Lang. You know, just just because. Oh, of yeah, high, mm. high another great high. one. Obviously, yeah. uh, ACDC and and uh, Def Leppard. I mean, just great. And Shania Twain. You know, mm. Yeah. Like, up. I actually have up. Up, up. It's up, good. You know. It's all good. All right. Let, let's move on. Time Traveler <laughs> should have been on Paul Stanley's 1986 solo album and nowhere near any Kiss product. All right. Let's, let's go into the danger zone here because there have been a few topics competing by posters who hate each other um, to kind of one up each other on kind of the negative side of Kiss fandom. And the two of them are, does owning more Kiss stuff make you a true Kiss fan? Mm. And do fans with Kiss, uh, big Kiss collections have an unhealthy <laughs> obsession? I meant to re- read that one. Yeah, yeah. I'll summarize it. Blah, okay. blah, 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 blah. You know, make yourself happy. Blah. Um, Ken, I'm going to start with you on no. both of those. It does. All right. Yeah. So the all right. Does having more kiss, kiss bigger make kiss you collection make you a, a a bit you know bigger kiss fan? No, it makes you a fan that uh, you know is able to collect those things or or buy those things. There's there's you know. Plenty of fans out there who don't collect the merch uh, or just love the either the music mm-hmm. or the live shows, and 
and that's enough for them. And and they're just as passionate about Kiss that you know someone like me who semi I collect stuff. I collect mostly vinyl and and some other things, but not not everything. Um, but does that make me more of a Kiss fan? Anyone else? No, it doesn't. Um, it's just uh, another side part of Kiss that you know I may like to collect or. Or get into, but uh, mostly it's about the music for me. So, yeah, the, it doesn't make you bigger uh, or you know whatever a greater Kiss fan than someone else who you know, doesn't or does have that. It doesn't matter. It really? Doesn't. Yeah. No. No one's keeping track and weighing all your shit when you die to no. say he was a big Kiss <laughs> fan. Look at all this money he wasted on. Kiss and kids. Um, exactly. There are people who live in places all over the world who probably yeah. don't have a lot of Kiss stuff, if any, available to them to purchase. Right. And they yeah. may get all of their knowledge, information, um, music, and and don't forget, in some countries, streaming is blocked. Um, but they may get right. everything from the internet and not have any physical product whatsoever and know just as much about the band as a lot sure. of the, the knuckleheads <laughs> online think they do. Um, and they could just as easily do a podcast and talk about Kiss like we do. Um, I, I think anything that tries to measure a person's enjoyment of something on a scale which often relates yeah. to their um, economic needs is bullshit and has absolutely no place in, in, in an intelligent conversation. So I, I'm absolutely no against the amount of kiss shit as having any bearing on your worth yeah. in this army. You're either in the army or you're not Mark. Exactly. Yeah. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, like you said, there's very many good points in that that you just said and same with Ken. I mean, the the fact of the matter is that if you can't if depending where you live, you may not have access to some of this stuff that to collect. And that doesn't make does that make you any less a fan? That I say no, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I mean I mainly just collect albums like vinyl, like you know, different countries and different pressings, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, other than that, I don't really collect anything else. Does that make me any less of a KISS fan? No, I don't think so. But, you know, the, the whole question of, you know, is it an, is it an unhealthy obsession? I I think that you can ask that question for all all kinds of collecting, not just kiss collecting. I mean, you know, there's people out yeah. there that go and collect like you know, uh, old old kind of antiques, and you see their house completely over like overrun with stuff. Is that an unhealthy thing? Well, maybe, but you know, if they're if they're happy, if it makes them happy, then who's to say that they shouldn't go and collect those things? I mean, look, let's put it this way: I think a lot of it boils down to money too, right? Because I'll be honest, there's one thing that I would love to collect a lot more of, and that is guitars. Okay. Uh, And I have like, I have a Les Paul, like a, you know, but I have a studio model, right? They're not terrible. They're they're actually viewed. And if you look on YouTube, that's pretty decent model of a Les Paul. It's it's called the working man's Les Paul, right? It doesn't have all the trim and all the bells and whistles, but it has good pickups, good wood, everything. So it sounds fantastic. You know, I got an SG and stuff like that, but man, I've been eyeing a Gibson classic model, Les Paul classic, for the last little while. It's three and a half thousand dollars Canadian. You know, I can't just drop that much money so I can sure. finance it, right? But man, if I had the money, like when I, whenever I see somebody, for example, buy like a high priced Kiss greatest hits, like that five grand for oh. some Jap- Japanese pressing, I think to myself, the Jesus greatest, Christ, if I had that money, yeah. yeah if I had that money, I'd buy myself two really good Les Pauls instead of one record. I can listen to those songs on any other one of their records. But, you know, it's all what you like and what you you know makes you happy, too. I mean, look at some of these people's collections. They have a whole basement full of stuff. Sure. And, you know, I kind of don't mind when people do that because when they show it on their, you know, channels, you, you get to check it out and see things that you probably would never have seen, right? So I kind of enjoy that part of it. But, man... I sometimes wish I had the money that these people had. I'd be wouldn't be buying Kiss stuff, mind you. I'd be buying myself a nice 1973 Gibson, you know, Les Paul Custom. You know, that's one of my dreams I've always wanted to do. Buy a guitar from my birth year, you know, a 73 Strat or a 73 Les Paul. Hmm. 
Okay, so moving on to the unhealthy obsession part, I think any, any hobby can become an addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, just about anything can become an addiction, which means that anything can become an unhealthy obsession. I think there are, you know, clearly um, cat hoarder type collectors mm-hmm. who really yeah. are addicted. I mean, I went into a phase with the collecting the alives, you know, that it was like, this isn't very healthy financially or otherwise to keep doing it. And I mean, I'd been in a similar place with the, um, you know, 45s to, to the point where it's just like, well, it's getting so tough now and so expensive and that, you know, jack it in and, and take the money out. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that there are realms of, of people, but there are also people who have a lot of disposable income who are able to do a lot of these things. And there's never, you know, if it's doing no one harm and they get pleasure out of it and that yeah. is their hobby, then mm-hmm. there's no judging them by applying how I live my life on them. I mean, that's pr- part of the problem with the whole world is people yeah. do that to other people at the moment. So, yeah, you know, there'll always be like the hoarder type. Um, that they make bad television shows about, you know, go into the old lady's house and she has 945 cats. They've all got fleas and there's a whole shitload of dead ones in the corner Um, because there are extremes, you know, and and then there there are people who, you know, you see them as well. The people who become addicted to rescuing cats, Um, you know, they start with good means and intentions, uh, but it scales out of, I like this one. I'm addicted to your books. <laughs> well, there's another well, one coming. I, I say I say it every year, but I'm done this year. I got volume three coming okay. out of Ansar, and that is the end of this road. Mm-hmm. I don't have the time. No, mm-hmm. it, it's it's gotten tougher and tougher and tougher. I mean, I, I want to write some longer form articles instead for fanzines and get back to kind of that hmm. that realm of, of stuff. So obsessions, yes. Um, Ken, you had dug up a topic. What was that? It was the t- uh, topic about your, your favorite uh, top uh, five. Your, your your top five best five Kiss albums and worst, worst five. five, and then the most uh, underappreciated album. Yeah. All right, I saw so that out there. So pick which section you want to address first, and then let's just go around. And uh, let's see what other folk have to say on that as well. Okay. Uh, how about we go with, uh, start with the uh, worst five. Okay. And uh, Mark, do you want to do yours? First? Sure. I, I, I've, made, I've made my list here, of course, you know, nicely on my All right. my, my phone here, you know, all nicely. And just here. saying the worst five doesn't mean they're, they're horrible. It just means they're not but as good as some the cases, other. They may be to you. Other fifteen or well, to, to me, to me, these are the the, the weakest Kiss albums. So I put okay. them in that. You know. Yeah, yeah. This doesn't mean I can't listen to them. There's only one album in this list I cannot listen to with any real pleasure, but the rest of them I can listen to. Yeah, well, I imagine. Yeah, so no, number five. Everyone, take your guess which one Let's that one's going here. to be. Can't wait to see this. I'm going to go numerically from five to one. So my fifth oh, worst okay. is Psycho Circus. Okay. Mm. My number four is Carnival of Souls. I, I can only listen to that very rarely. I just find it's just a complete, you know, poor attempt at being grunge. Mm. Number three is Monster. That's a record I was very disappointed with. And if I listen to it on headphones, I can't last more than 30 minutes. It's so overly mastered poorly. It's terrible. Number two is The Elder. Okay. I... I I, I'm not not big on what? that record, even though I, I fully support the book. I've read it quite a lot. I have it right here beside me, the Odyssey book by our good friend, Mr. Julian what? Gill. You rip, it, you rip it open and say, I need to be reminded why I hate Bob Hazard. <laughs> I have the as- evidence right here. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. no, I actually like reading the, the thing about with Rob... That Freeman guy, the produce, the engineer guy, and stuff. Oh, that, those Rob, are some Rob Freeman was fantastic, and I did an yes. interview with him, at a new one for uh, Mask Hysteria. So some more new information about those early sessions. Oh, great! And my number one worst Kiss album of all time, and number one on my list is the Dredge, that's known as Destroyer. The absolute oh, there we worst are. record. Wow. Can you ever been produced by Kiss? 
We just had to ask him. Just complete bunk. Oh, my goodness. Well, well, Julian, you want to go before me? Or yeah, I, I haven't to... given any thought to this because I haven't had any time. I've been busy. I had meetings. Well, me too. Uh, I'll, 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 I'm going to wing can... it. And, okay, go you know, wing it. Mark, Mark covered it with Psycho Circus. That fits into my worst list just because of it not representing what we all hope, our aspirations mm -hmm. and hopes and dreams, even though we knew at that point about replacement members and all the studio shenanigans. So even though we were... We were all Spongebobs. Um, Psycho Circus is one of their worst albums simply because of they hurt my feels. Um, <laughs> Carnival of Souls sounds dreadful. It is terrible, but it's got some good songs in it. But it sounds terrible. And it was, you know, so late after uh, the whole grunge thing had hit mm. that it was basically, you know, imitating something that was no longer in in the form that you were imitating it so uh and putting pan drums god um animalize gene songs and his lack of commitment to the band in that era bring paul down gene shame on you um monster i agree the listening experience is absolutely horrendous and brings what are some pretty good songs down, um, which is which is a real shame. And then I'll say Hot in the Shade because it's just such a hodgepodge. It's got some, again, some really good songs, but some really crappy filler that should have been saved for the vault. Uh, all right, Ken. Interesting. All right, uh, no particular order on mine. Um, first one is uh, Psycho Circus. Um, mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, it didn't turn out what we hoped. Because we uh, all hate Canadian producers, right? Yeah, we. <laughs> that's, the worst, that's the reason. Um, the next one is not bad. But... Yeah, and then there's Hot in the Shade. Mm -hmm. uh, that's another one. And then Monster. Like, like Mark, uh, I feel the same way about it. I, I think they shouldn't have tried to. Um, well, the first, the production is horrible, first of all. But I don't think they should have tried to write songs in the vein of their heroes or whatever. You know, that's what they were trying to go for uh, on that album. Um, Carnival of Souls. Yeah, it's 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 really not Kiss. Essentially, um, it's Bill kinda, said, "Lick it up." What? Kind of the anti-kiss. <laughs> um, really? Wow. Okay, and uh, and then Crazy Nights is in my five, and I, I had a debate that that was a hard one to put in there, but I just I just don't listen to that much. I just can't. I just can't. You know, um, I listen to Animalize more. You know, I, I enjoy Animalize more. So those are those are my five. Right. So what was, the, what was the next category? Well, there's three categories. So we want to go to the we'll, we'll go to the, the top. You know, the, your favorite five. And Opal Archive. I, I I don't know if we are including the solo albums, but who knows? I guess we, we haven't defined any. Oh no! All I, I like, just they got Kiss logos yeah. on. Yeah. Okay, so the top yeah, five now. Yeah, just go ahead okay, and do so the top five, and then we'll I do the like uh, underrated. I have given this great thought, you know, but didn't need great thought because I already know what my top five are. They, they, maybe three and four change here and there sometimes, but my top three have always been the same. And everybody who's watched this podcast will probably be able to guess this. And just for uh, yeah. Ronnie Parker, who's saying, what are your thoughts on The Elder? What if it had the production of Creatures? It's not the production that I don't like on Elder. It's just some of the songs are just not Kiss-like. And Paul's falsetto singing just really turned me off of that record as well. So the production had little to do with it. There you go, Ronnie. Okay. Um, <laughs> number five, Dynasty. Always loved that album. I think it's if you want to listen to a record that represents New York, put that on headphones, close your eyes, and you can get the vibe of New York City off of those songs. Paul's, Jeans, Peter's, especially Peter's, Dirty Living, that's total New York. You just said New York. 50th anniversary today of the New York Dolls debut. 
Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Number four, <clears throat> Creatures of the Night. One of the mm-hmm. most, uh, let's put it this way, talk about a comeback kid record. I mean, when it came out, nobody bought it. You know, it was not, I it did. didn't do well at all. But in retrospect, years later, it's become the record that everybody now refers to when you talk about a solidly produced, you know, bone crunching album now. And I've always loved Creatures of Night from the very first time I heard it on my friend's car when I pulled out a CD. I said, What's this? I never saw this record before. It goes, Yeah, I don't listen to it much. It didn't do well when we were younger, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'd, I'd loved it since the first listen. I thought the drum sound was incredible. The whole sound of the album is fantastic. Number three, <clears throat> Kiss, the debut. Essentially a greatest hits album put the put to vinyl, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, just take off, you know, uh, love, love theme from Kiss and, you know, maybe one other, not even one, maybe just that. And it's a near perfect record. Sure, the production's a little, you know, not that Bloody good, and mm-hmm. some of the tempos are a little slow, but essentially it's all there. And it's what KISS has referred to for years and years in their love, in their love, in their catalog of uh, playing live. Just mm-hmm. fantastic stuff. Number two, this is going to be controversial, but people who know me <clears throat> will understand it, including my good friend and fellow asylum lover, Julian. Number two is Asylum. Mm-hmm. It has always been and will always be my favorite non Kiss makeup album. To me, the non-kiss vibe of Kiss makeup album. You mean non makeup kiss album? Yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> non makeup kiss album. Sorry. <laughs> but I mean, everything about that album I love. I mean, even the Gene songs I think are very good on it, you know, and I definitely think that it represents the time period that it's in. You got to remember, people, when you listen to a record, look at the year it's been put out. And look at look at what was out around that time. I think it fits perfectly, and it's probably some of Paul's best stuff that he's done. Tears are falling. Who wants to be lonely is one of his best written songs of all time. And I'll go down fighting with that. And number one, rock and roll over. It's always been my favorite Kiss album of all time. Ken's wearing it on his shirt there. Uh, great album. It, it was the record that they should have put out uh, instead of Destroyer. I think that when they did Destroy and they realized how terrible it was, they quickly went back in and made this fantastic album. And, you know, Eddie Kramer pretty much, you know, gave them the sound that they wanted and were looking for. And most people that I know refer back to this record as a record that they, you know, listen to most often. Okay. Okay. Well, you've got two of mine in there. You know, obviously I'm with you on Asylum again because of the connection. 1985, I mean... What do we have that year? Uh, White Snake. Slide yes. it in. I Slide it in, I believe. Yeah. Uh, you got Twisted Sister. What was it? God Awful. Come out and play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Rat. Invasion of your privacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Theater of pain. Yeah, um, it fits in. Aerosmith done with mirrors. You know, it's it's a you know there'll be a whole lot more. Obviously, those are just the ones yeah. I think of off the top of my head. But you know, it was a good crunchy New York production you know, album. It still sounds great. Um, it's cheesy in parts. Uh, again, people judge it with its eyes, and so what? I like it. It's on my list. Everyone's got their own. Um, rock and roll over. Top Kiss album by far. Um, without a doubt, for the same reasons that Mark said. The same with Kiss, the debut, for the same reasons Mark says. You know, again, I, I said muddy, but I think flat would be a better way to describe yeah. that production because hmm. it's not it's not muddy. There's good separation between the instrumentation, um, but it could do with a. a well, I, no, it couldn't do it because we wouldn't listen to it any more than we listened to Destroy Resurrected. So just leave it well enough alone. Um, what else? How many is that? That's three. Three. Um, Lick it up. Mm-hmm. I like it, Bill. And, and Bill said, you know, he, he likes Exciter, and after that, it's downhill. Yes. But I, I, again, for the era that I became a fan, it's, you know, kind of much more in there with that album. And are we allowed to do live albums? Because if not, you know, a live's got to be in there. But mm-hmm. if not, I'm going with Dynasty. Um, if we're sticking just to okay. studio albums and no solo yeah. stuff, um, you know, Dynasty. Again, when I first heard that, you know, what a great balance it has between the sonics and songwriting of Love Gun, its predecessor, and 
unmasked mm-hmm. the, the album that followed it. You know, it is so comfortable as a Kiss album with the balance of the members and their contributions. Even though I didn't know shit about any of that stuff when <laughs> I was listening to it, it just had really good songs like Save Your Love and Charisma and X-Ray Eyes and Magic Touch and Sure Know Something. And I Was Made for Loving You and 2000 Men. I had no idea at that mm-hmm. point, you know, so great album and hard times. So those would be my five. All right. Was there another category? Well, Kat well, has I to do his, right? I didn't oh, do my yeah. five. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Uh, no particular order. No particular order here. Uh, my five are uh, the Kiss uh, debut album, uh, obviously, for what Mark said and, and Julian. So just a great album. Uh, then uh, next I have Lick It Up. Also, as one of my you know top five, and then I have, of course, Rock and Roll Over, you know, which is probably mm-hmm. one for me, like you guys. <laughs> um, and then I have Love Gun on mm-hmm. there. I really enjoy the heck out of that album. I think it's good. Maybe the production is, you know, it should have been more like Rock and Roll Over, but I, I, I really love. Almost all the music on that one. And I think it's a really good album. Well, down uh, to the air, you became all a the fan Gene again. stuff on there is great for me. <clears throat> all the Gene stuff is just great. Um, then we have my final one is Hotter Than Hell. Even for you know the production is you know kind of mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, it has some you know just classic Kiss rock songs on there almost like the first album there's just songs on there they're just classics um you know watching you you know parasite strange ways going blind you know coming up it, it, you know it goes on it's hotter than hell itself right and uh you know the uh let me go rock and roll i mean just a ton of stuff so uh that's my Fifth album. Of now the shift told guy. He said, "There's no love for creatures." That was my number four album. For my favorite, there is love yeah, but, for creatures, but it's not on all of our list. Wait, mm-hmm. was it on your number four for songs of for albums that you like or hate? Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, creatures. Yeah, yeah, creatures was close for me. It's it's like right mm-hmm. after. I, I I enjoy look it up more than creatures. That's why look it up mm-hmm. is on my list. Yeah, cre- uh, creatures about. easily could be on the list. I'm, I'm not going to do an easily. honorable mention because it's not my right or wrong. Could, though. Yeah. My list will be different tomorrow. You know, my, yeah. li- my list will be different too. in five minutes. Come on, I'm a Kiss fan. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's all about the moment. Um, right. Which is why I didn't bother doing something. The um, other, the other category is just the under underappreciated. The most most underappreciated album. All right. Okay, I'll, I'll do mine quick. Rest to sure. kill. Dress to Kill is my underappreciated. Uh, I think that in a time when they needed a good record because they were pressured to make music at the time uh, to get them back on the road, I think Neil Bogart did a good job with this, actually. I think it has a good combination of catchy music and a good production. I mean, after listening to Hotter Than Hell, it must have been heaven to their ears to hear you know, a nicely separated and well-produced album as rest of kill was i mean if they had a little bit more time it's probably gonna be even better than that but considering that they were writing songs on the fly in the morning they would write it and in the afternoon they would record it that's a really really good album yeah it's a little short 33 minutes or so but i think it's underappreciated i think that nowadays when people kind of go back to it they're kind of surprised how good it is okay yeah okay join oh well, oh you're giving orders now okay i'm mostly yeah, appreciate I'm gonna I'm gonna go Oh shit. I'm gonna it's go Sonic. Tough. I'm gonna go Sonic Boom. Hmm. Oh, okay. Um because for me it corrects the bookend of the band's recording career by just simply not having them end on Psycho Circus and the Abomination. But at least it was made by all the members of the band. They at least made it with an ethos in mind by using Clasp, Analog to Digital, 
um, you know, and trying to bring marry old and new technologies together, and also how they approach the songwriting and kind of some of the recycling of sonic ideas by by how we hear so many different like solo errors. Oh, that could be Bruce on Asylum, or that could be Ace on this, or that could be ACDC. You know, just how it brings everything into a blender. Um, you know, down to the artwork of trying to recreate something big and different um, in Kiss, and then they completely screwed it over with how they approached it live. Uh, <laughs> you know, two songs and I'm an animal and, oh. you know, just fucking killed it, um, which they did correct with Monster, you know, when they came out with five or six songs live from the album. So I'm going to go with that. I could easily have picked Crazy Nights um, just because I think uh, for that one, the underlying guitar work is way more worthy than the production would otherwise have you here. All right. Uh, so for my most underappreciated, I'm going to go with Animalize because the, you know, the, it ended off on the last couple of songs or, you know, those Gene songs are not the greatest, but they're, they're not horrible, horrible. Um, but all the other stuff I like on that, um, up to that point is all, you know, darn good. You know, I, you know, like Burn, Bitch, Burn. I always said that. I always, I like that song a lot. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, the, you know, the other one after that, uh, that team did, but, uh, and then of course, Paul stuff, you know, uh, is, is all great on that. So, um, that I think is the most underappreciated. It, I think it's Paul's best production, you know, doing, you know, producing. I think that one, they got the sound right. I mean, the sound's really good on that album. Yeah. Uh, it really, really does sound good. Um, so I, I just, I mean, Animalize gets a lot of heat for not being great, you know, that great or whatever. Um, but. I think it's, you know, it sold a lot of records when it came out. I remember it was very, very popular when it did come out. It was surprisingly popular, actually, coming after Look It Up. I thought it was more popular than Look It Up at the time. It, it was. I mean, I remember reading in the book where it said that it did so well that they were, that pr- the promoters actually started adding, you know, more shows onto the tour for them, like in secondary markets, because it was starting to go that well, from what I remember reading in books. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's do list. Let's do one more topic uh, before we wrap up here, okay. and uh, this would be interesting for Ken. Yeah. What has been more important to you, Ken? Seeing Kiss live or the albums that they have released? <laughs> it's you know it's kind of both, but I'm gonna say it starts it starts with the music itself. Um, that's what. I got into at the very beginning, you know, at the beginning, I had to wait a couple of years to see them live. Uh, it's just kind of the live part of it is kind of the cherry on top, you know, uh, that comes after, you know, listening to all that, all the music, all their albums um, that they had. At, but, you know, cause how many times have I listened to the, their albums over and over, you know, first, second, all their albums, um, especially back then I was listening to trying to get everything I could, you know, before I finally saw them in 79, I was in that two year period. I was going through all the, you know, picking up all the albums and getting them and had double platinum and live and Mark's favorite, you know, destroyer. <laughs> um, though I felt, you know, that it's kind of brings up to a little quick point. The destroyer, kind of threw me because after listening to some like rock and roll over and some other stuff, I was going, and then I got destroyer probably one of the last ones I got, you know, in that time period in the seventies. And, and it was kind of a shock. The, the Sonics, yeah. the way the guitars were down. Yeah. Uh, I felt that way at the time. I don't hate it, <laughs> mind uh-huh. you, but I, I just don't, I didn't like the the sonics of mm. you know, too low in the mix. I want more guitars up front and a little bit more, you know, grittier mm. kind of guitar. But anyway, that's <laughs> that's my thoughts on it. all. Oh. okay, Doctor Evil. 
<laughs> well, that's a, it's a, that's a, actually a, a very interesting question because you know, technically, you would think that most people are going to say the, the 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 records because you know you most everybody that I know of, for the exception of a few people, uh, I've never heard anybody except for a few people who have said I've seen the band first before I've ever heard a record from them. So most people usually go in with the records first. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to go for me. I, the, the live thing was much more important. I'll tell you why. Yes, I had Kiss records long before I saw them. Okay. Uh, thanks to my sister and friends and stuff like that. And even, you know, me, myself getting them. You know, I enjoyed them. But when I saw them for the very first time, and I was supposed to see them on this asylum, but my sister ended up having to go do something we weren't able to go. But I finally saw them on the reunion tour. And after watching that show in Toronto, I was all in. Like, if I was in, like, let's say 90% for Kiss at that time, I was like 110 in after that show because I thought that it was so well done. And I've always been a live guy. You know, I, my first of my favorite records are all live records. You know, All the World's a Stage, Unleashed in the East, you know, all these live records. I've always been big fans of. So for me, if a band delivers live, it makes me that much bigger a fan. And a lot of times what happens is songs I were kind of like, nah, on record, if they play them live, I end up ending up liking those songs much better. And it then ret- retrospectively going back to the studio records, I even like them again more because of what I remember from the live experience. So for me, I think it's the live version that I like better. Yeah, I mean, it's always been the records because I was always in the wrong place for the, you know, so live didn't really figure in. So I, I lived vicariously through, um, through bootlegs. So bootlegs became a much bigger component to me in some ways than even the studio albums because of hearing the shows and the audiences. And I've had such a mixed bad of, bag of really good Kiss shows and some pretty shitty ones, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether it was from seating problems or drunk political ranting and raving or people standing their teenage kids on chairs in front of me um you know and that that to me really ruins the experience whereas when ken and i were up front for that show or when i was up front for um the farewell tour or when i was in the middle of the floor in vancouver and didn't have any of that aggro those have been fantastic things which would make me appreciate the live experience but i'd rather listen to a bootleg and go be near people. (laughs) 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 No, especially now that it's so expensive. Yeah. You know, and it's so unpleasant that it does become that, you know, girlfriend, let's take a selfie that the band's a backdrop. I mean, you know, all all of that that goes with it, the getting in and out, whether you're using public transport or having to fly. And I don't begrudge flying to Vancouver or to Madison Square Garden, you know, or L.A. Forum, because that was more about the places and the people who I was seeing there. But the people I don't have any control over being near. Do you mean you're you're not going to the Taylor Swift show at Levi's tonight? I've never listened Levi to a Stadium. Taylor. I've never listened to a Taylor Swift song. But, but you know what? What's, what's funny? You mentioned about how that kind of situation turns you off from going to see it. It's funny because when I think back to some one of my earliest experiences of going to a concert, uh, I went to see Yes when they were on the Union tour in Toronto, '91 at the Sky Dome. That's a huge like dome there mm-hmm. and there's a guy behind me two okay like two rows back okay two rows and this guy was so loud it was annoying and it was ruining yeah. the whole experience but he was like because all he kept doing was play close to the edge play close to the and he was he was kept saying it all night and he was getting more and more drunk and then finally like we just like firing looks back at this guy like shut up and then they were the fans were trying to calm him down and when we were leaving the security had to come over there because he said, I'm not leaving. He like grabbed the seat. And he goes, I'm not leaving until they come back and play close to the edge. This guy was like out of his mind, right? God, I was like, man, like that right there was like, close do I want to go see concerts? So I understand what you mean, Julian, by that. Yeah, no, Madison Square Garden was brutal. I mean, the audience sucked as well. It wasn't just the guy behind me or the guy uh, – 
I, I even lose track now whether that was the show with the kid in front of me standing on the chair. It's like you're 12 mm. years old. Fucking stand up, you little bastard. Um, but it's just the political drunk ranting. It's like, dude, you're you're not at a rally of your persuasion. Uh, whatever you, I, I don't care what your politics are. We're at a kiss show. They're trying yeah. to sing rock and roll all night, the national anthem, not whatever your politics are. You know, yeah. like, shut the fuck up. But he was like, he didn't have a neck, so I wasn't gonna tell him that. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 So that's why, like, that's why bootlegs are superior because they don't. Especially bounce. video. Yeah, no, especially now the technology such that uh, you know it has improved. But you know, back through the reunion tour, I was like, oh, you know, I skipped the uh, the UK shows because didn't have the money after bar tab, and I was also doing a lot of tape trading. So uh, it's like well, I'm getting all the shows in a week later anyway. So you know, I'll. I'll I'm happy with that. Yeah. I don't have to, you know, get from Canterbury to Birmingham. I don't have to get from Canterbury to London and back and, uh, you know, deal with all that aggro as well. So, mm. yeah, it, it's 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 all good. Albums, live, now we get YouTube. Um, and we get told that yeah. we can't judge a show by the YouTube. So just remember that the next time you watch an Ace Frehley show. Mm. All right, that that is a bunch of topics from the board this week. I want to thank everyone who's joined us live and chimed in. Uh, you guys have been awesome. Uh, very much give yourself a round of applause, like Paul Stanley would say. <laughs> I was listening to Tulsa 75 today, and you know it, it always cracks me up, that era, his mm-hmm. raps with the audience. Um, just not quite famous, but he's you know still got a lot of personality there. And that's such yeah. a fucking atrocious soundboard as well. Fluctuates all over the place in your backgrounds, your phasing. Um, really fun listen. So there's a recent upgrade that came out um, that isn't an upgrade, but it is for some people. But uh, there we go. So for now, Lonnie didn't make it. Lonnie, hope happy you birthday, did. Lonnie. Yeah, hope your evening's better than your afternoon has been, old son. Hope it hope it's much better, and that we'll see everyone soon. We're going to get together, hopefully, with Daniel soon, and do the next death match. Mm-hmm. And then I think that's pretty much all we have planned in the in the short term. So for now, let me find all get all my shit ready here uh, from Ken, <laughs> from Mark, uh, myself. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again. Play with my Legos now. <laughs>